0: Welcome in to News and Views
1: with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Our worst fears have now come true. President Putin of Russia has unleashed war. Russia's response will be immediate and lead you to such consequences that you have never faced in your history. We are ready for any outcome.
2: We now have war in Europe. This, my friends, is our moment.
0: Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views with Tom and Benny, and uh, lots to talk about today. A sobering day. Uh, My wife called me a little while ago, and she was out doing some uh, grocery shopping. She was over at Sam's, and she said, people are in panic mode, which I I haven't been out and about, but apparently people were just hoarding water, and the cars were around the block lined up to fill up their gas tanks. Really? Yeah, which uh, surprised me. Joe Biden, earlier this afternoon came out and addressed the nation talking about a new wave of sanctions. Here is an edited version, just a couple of minutes, of what the president said earlier this afternoon.
2: The Russian military has begun a brutal assault on the people of Ukraine. Without provocation, without justification, without necessity, this is a premeditated attack. Vladimir Putin has been planning this for months, as we've been saying all along. We saw a staged political theater in Moscow, outlandish and baseless claims that Ukraine was about to invade and launch a war against Russia. We saw a flagrant violation of international law in attempting to unilaterally create two new so-called republics on sovereign Ukrainian territory. Putin is the aggressor, and now he and his country will bear the consequences. Today, I'm authorizing additional strong sanctions and new limitations on what can be exported to Russia. This is going to impose severe cost on the Russian economy, both immediately and over time. We have purposefully designed these sanctions to maximize the long-term impact on Russia and to minimize the impact on the United States and our allies. The United States is not doing this alone. For months, we've been building a coalition of partners representing well more than half the global economy. 27 members of the European Union, including France, Germany, Italy, as well as the United Kingdom, Canada, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, and many others to amplify the joint impact of our response. I just spoke with the G7 leaders this morning, and we're in full and total agreement. We will limit Russia's ability to do business in dollars, euros, pounds, and yen to be part of the global economy. We've already seen the impact of our actions on Russia's currency and the ruble early today hit its weakest level ever, ever in history. The Russia stock market plunged today. The Russian government borrowing rates spiked by over 15%. In today's actions, we've now sanctioned Russian banks that together hold around $1 trillion in assets. We've cut off Russia's largest bank, a bank that holds more than one third of Russia's banking assets by itself, cut it off from the U.S. financial system. And today, we're also blocking four more major banks. That means every asset they have in America will be frozen.
0: To talk about all of this, Lieutenant Colonel Darren Gobb, an Army veteran, Black Hawk, Black Hawk helicopter pilot, squadron leader. He's also a co-founder and executive director of Restore Liberty. Colonel Gobb spent uh, 28 years in military service, seven years in command, three years training military forces for combat, including... A hybrid warfare environment such as Ukraine, he helped to build contingency plans for Ukraine designed to address the unique characteristics of a conflict in Eastern Europe based on lessons from Russian operations on the Crimea Peninsula. Uh, he's with us right now. Darren, welcome to News and Views. Good to have you with us.
1: Hey, thanks, Tom, and uh, happy to join you. Thanks for having me, having me come on.
0: You bet. Um, so, what are your thoughts concerning what the uh, president said earlier today?
1: Yeah, I actually watched that when he was uh, when he was on TV, and let's just say that uh, if he was walking away from that thinking that by that uh, Putin was going to be impressed, uh, the opposite is would be the case. I guarantee it. Uh, Putin would actually be more emboldened after that particular speech than than, than he would have been before. So, I also think that you uh, mentioned that you know, Putin had been planning this for months. In fact, Putin's been planning this for years. And he was just looking for the right time.
0: So you don't think anybody's buying the fact that uh, when the president said, and I'm paraphrasing here, these sac- sanctions will have devastating effects. You don't think so?
1: Not at all. And And frankly, even if they did have devastating effects on some of the population of Russia a long time from now, when they actually really take effect, that's not really going to be something Putin is going to be too concerned about. Uh, You've got to go after Putin himself. And you you heard during that, that speech, people ask him, are you going to sanction Putin? And he refused to answer so two of the key things you could have worked on, which is the SWIFT, the financial transaction system, right uh, across the globe, and the man, Putin. Neither one of those two were addressed, uh, even though it's still a little bit late. Uh, if you don't do that, you're really not going to get, I guess, the financial shock and awe you think you're going to get.
0: Yeah, to let our listeners know, um, Biden stopped short of announcing that the United States and its allies would impose a harsh financial penalty against Russia, kicking it out of the SWIFT banking system, which is the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications. And really, if they got booted from this, and I'm, I'm not a banker or an economist, but I know enough that This would be really significant if they got booted out of SWIFT as compared to what he has proposed, but he hasn't gone there.
1: No, he hasn't. And this is a minor counter move to a major move on on behalf of Putin. So I guarantee you, he's not impressed, he's not concerned, and he's going to keep going. Uh, He's factored in these costs ahead before he even began to move, and he was willing to accept them. Even though this is becoming more of a gamble on his part than it would be just a just a risk, uh, I think he's accepted all the costs, though, and realized that he's either got to go now or he's going to take a he's going to he risks a different administration in a few years that could be a little bit more, uh, I guess, convincing in these kinds of things.
0: The the president came out today and he talked about the pain at the pump for the American people. He talked about getting other nations to pump more oil. He talked about releasing more oil from the strategic reserves. Yet he never mentioned reinstating leases on federal land, nor did he say anything about restarting the XL pipeline. Would that, uh, if he came out strongly promoting our uh, energy that we have available that we could be an exporter of,
1: would, would that
0: get uh, P- Putin's attention, or is that a non-starter?
1: No, I, I think it would get his attention. Maybe not immediately, but I think it would be a really—one of those bold moves that needs to happen. And I, I thought about this from the perspective of uh, the Cold War again. <laughs> America and the Soviet Union at the time went on a space race. Right. And we threw everything in to win that space race. So if you wanted to do something that would really make a huge difference to tether people together in the proper way and untether them where they shouldn't be, you do use the space race methodology to get after the completion of the Keystone pipeline as quick as you possibly can. Tie that to exporting energy to the European mainland from the U.S. become a net exporter once again and decouple Europe proper from Russia and get rid of that connection. Now you've got one of the biggest hurdles.
0: Uh, Benny Hardy is my co-host, and he's with us this afternoon. He's got a question for you.
3: Uh, Colonel God, I've spent some time in in, in Russia, not Ukraine, but f- and talked to many people over there over the years. I mean, to our listeners, uh, you know, they hear Ukraine, and they probably never even heard of Ukraine until they, until they looked it up on, on uh, Google or something. But j- just fundamentally, why is it that Russia and Putin, uh, and, and I think Putin, not necessarily the Russian people, why are they so interested in in uh, Ukraine from an economic and strategic uh, point of view?
1: Well, Ukraine provides a lot of things, I guess you could say, and it's the second largest country in Europe, second only to Russia itself. Right. Uh, what it provides, though, is energy, again, more of that, you know, including the the Luhansk and Donetsk region that are up there that were on the eastern side, that are the predominant regions that the Russia was initially looking at. It's also extremely fertile for wheat and many other crops. It's the breadbasket of Asia, as, as it's been described before, and accurately so. It provides at least two major ports in Mariupol and Odessa. On warm water, which Russia is always seeking after, which is why they went after the part of the reason why they went after Crimea in the first place back in 2014. Yeah, you get all that along with existing infrastructure and the space Russia wants to have as a buffer between what they are describing as an offensive-minded expansionist NATO organization and Russia, and you get a you get a large chunk of land that Russia really wants for. A lot of reasons.
3: Well, to follow up on that point, then, w- what do you think, you know, Ru- you know, most people know, I mean, Russia uh, financially, I mean, they have oil pretty much, and that's it. Um, their economy is has been, you know, propped up by oil for some time now. You know, d- depending on this thing in Ukraine, if it, you know, is, is quick, they go over and take over, uh, basically take over Ukraine without much effort. You think they will look to the Balkans to the uh, West next?
1: Um, I mean, at this point, it's as always forecasting what he's going to do is, is always a challenge. Uh, I, I, people looked at me like I was crazy when I told them back in August when we were packing up our last ounces of credibility on the, on the C-17 leaving Afghanistan uh, that I told them Ukraine was next, and they thought it was crazy, but here we are. Hmm. So my my guess is if Russia does anything else towards the west, now one of the areas that we've constantly looked at is called the Suwalki Gap, which is that small finger of land on the northeast side of Poland that is a uh, lays up against Lithuania and it goes to uh it splits out Kaliningrad which is Russia to the west and Russia, the main the mainland russia to the east there's a little piece of russia right there on the, on the water and that's been a point of concern for a while as well and and the ability for russia to, to use that space and potentially move into the baltics more than they would the balkans mm-hmm. uh, but I, I do see there's a possibility that he, if he has extreme success somehow in ukraine that moldova is one of those countries too that's that is right there on the east side of romania that he might be interested as well. And I think that depending on the kind of fight that the Ukrainians put up and what he's got left, that all of these things that we, we have to count them in the realm of the possible options he could pursue, because he's clearly shown that he's not afraid to take on an entire large country.
0: We're talking to Lieutenant Colonel uh, Darren Gobb, who's retired, but very well-spoken and well-versed on what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, there was a story out on the Daily Wire earlier today, Darren, saying that a Russian platoon, a reconnaissance platoon, has uh, supposedly surrendered to Ukrainian troops. Have you heard anything about that? And is that a fluke? Or do you... And as I read this story, I wondered to myself, OK, were they overpowered by the Ukrainians? Or were these Russian troops thinking, wait a minute, we thought we were here for reconnaissance, and, and now we're firing shots at, uh, in a lot of cases, you know, family members? I mean, it's almost like the North fighting the South in the Civil War here in, in the United States uh, you know, a century and a half ago. Uh, what is, uh, I mean, is it possible that Russian troops are going to get into Ukraine and say, wait a minute, I didn't sign up to, to shoot my fellow man like this?
1: Uh, well, first, I'm not familiar with that story yet, but I will go make sure I become so, because where that occurred would be pretty important um, if it did occur. It, and the reason why is because the Russian separatists that are on the eastern side in the Donbas region you know, they, of course, comprise about 17 percent of the entire population of of um, of Ukraine in general. It looks like it was. Uh, in, it point looks point like point in point it was in point.
0: northern Ukraine. The name of the of the town is uh, Cherniv. Does that sound okay.
1: right? Okay. Well, yeah, that that sounds pretty close. But I think uh, in the end, uh, there's any number of reasons how that could happen. Uh, I'd, I'd have to go back and and take a look at it and see if anybody even really knows that answer because it's it is very possible that uh you know ukraine Ukraines are enjoying some success themselves in this i guess if there is success to be had uh i've worked alongside of and fought alongside of some ukrainian people uh, in some of the places in the middle east that we were at and uh, they they know how to fight uh, they're not necessarily as technologically advanced or technically specialized in certain areas but uh, when it when it comes down to it these are these are countries that lived under the, the soviet thumb for a lot of t- a long time and they really don't want to go back to that so uh, they're they're going to put their all into it and they're, they're definitely fighters
0: well i was going to say for for the soldiers fighting uh for putin it's a job For the Ukrainians fighting for their freedom, it's their life, and you know that—that's—it's hard to calculate how what what that is worth. Granted, they're outmanned and they're outarmed by the Soviet Union by Russia, but uh, I say Soviet Union because that's what Putin wants to go back to—the old Soviet Union. But uh, how much does that count for? I mean, is that is that significant? I mean, you you've, you've commanded men in the past. I mean, when when their heart is in it, and they're fighting for their life, uh, is that a big significance?
1: Uh, it's huge. It's almost immeasurable to be able to know that you are fighting for your fi- your family and your homeland. <laughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Versus just doing what your boss says. Uh, that that is a big deal and that goes back to the yeah the, I, well i guess the fact that uh putin could have some challenges by occupying a country of 44 million people yeah. and it, it, it before we went into iraq it was called you know you break it you buy it right and it's the same <laughs> same deal here right
0: yeah and they didn't have a real good success in afghanistan I mean, yeah they they wanted to get out of there and never come back um uh, let me ask you, do you, do you see any um, other country putting troops on the ground? I know the president has said, you know, we're not going to have Americans on the ground in Ukraine. Do you see any countries putting troops on the ground? And, and do you trust the president's word to be accurate on that?
1: Well, I, I, with the president, I, I think we only have to take him at his word. We really don't have any other choice. Uh,
0: well, that's not real we'll that's not reassuring there darren
1: <laughs> well i wasn't gonna say it <coughs> boy excuse me boy something's going on over here but um yeah it's uh I, I find it unlikely i think uh for any country to really go in there in any kind of significant force but uh, one of the i guess one of the higher questions i got that we as a nation would have to ask ourselves before we did something like that. This, we're talking about a, uh, first conflict between what we call near peer competitors, uh, between superpowers. And we have this thing called the war powers act where before we go to war, we're supposed to have a congressional declaration right. to that. end. it can be unilaterally said the president just says, Hey, I want to go to war today. And then off you go. Um, so I think if you're not adre- if you're not addressing that and making this a national conversation and debate, then you've got some challenges you got to overcome. But I do find it unlikely that we would put significant forces into the Ukraine. Um, and one thing I do agree with that's happening right now: if you're going to do anything, you only put them in NATO NATO countries, the countries they're going into. I know where they're going into. I've, I've stayed on those bases and, and trained on those bases, so I know what they're capable of. Uh, To go beyond that, I think, is to put us right there between the hammer and an anvil, which is a place you don't want to be. Well,
0: speaking of NATO, do they have the wherewithal, or to quote Sarah Palin, the cojones, to stand (laughs) strong and stand united? And, you know, so far, it doesn't sound like they've given up the the Russian energy. Uh, I mean, you know, President Trump, it's all he could do to get them to pay their fair share. Uh, Do you see NATO as really a strong uh, conglomeration of nations that would stand strong against Putin?
1: Uh, Not yet. Um, In this situation, because, one, you got Ukraine who's not a NATO uh, member and most likely never would be for a variety of reasons. But this should be a wake-up call that uh, this side... this idea that this kind of conflict and warfare is over and we're too advanced for this kind of stuff it has got to go away, and at the very least, it ought to do a couple things. One of them is that the NATO nations that Trump was talking about trying to get them to spend more than 2% of their GDP on their own self-defense, they ought to look that real hard now, and then. Maybe countries like Sweden and Finland and other other those who who ha, would have some interest potentially in joining NATO should should uh, kind of re energize that discussion and basically be like, you know what? Oh, we've got an expansionist former KGB prime minister in Russia taking on a country that's the size of Texas to annex it, and whatever that looks like in the end, who's to say where he's going to stop? Right.
3: Colonel Gobb, what where do you think? Um, what do you think China falls on all this? Uh, there's been reports out today. You know, there were some, you know, some uh, flyovers in Taiwan and things such as that. But I mean, what do you think's on China's mind right now when they're seeing what's going on and seeing NATO's reaction and the United States' reaction to to Putin? What do you think they stand in all this?
1: Oh, I'm certain they're watching very closely. Uh, we know for a fact that this uh, the the global message that we sent when we left Afghanistan was seen by by everybody especially those who were looking the most in the first place uh i think if they see us getting involved heavily somehow in what's going on with the ukraine situation that uh we can't rule out them taking the taking the opportunity to say, you know what, let's just go 81 miles east and take over an island that we've been promising to, t- to take over for a lot of years. This is another opportunity for a nation to do that. Now, it's not as easy as it sounds because China's having their own problems with some uh, civil conflict, with uh, human rights stuff, with an economy that's dragging down. So that could impact their decision. However, it could accelerate it to make that kind of decision for their own sake as a distraction from their own internal problems is, uh, as historians all know, they consider Taiwan to be part of China. Right. And, and we won't have, they wouldn't have it any other way. Could they move? Absolutely. They could.
0: What do you think the Russian people are thinking about what Putin's doing? I'm not talking about the troops, but the, the civilians back in, in Russia, what, any any clue as to what their their thoughts are on Putin's actions?
1: Oh well, the the challenge there is that they're they, they've got a very well-controlled state media. Uh the other the uh the positive side of a challenge of a state media is the fact that they they've got a modern enough society to where people have things like smartphones and internet and there's always a way around things. But so you've seen if you've um, been able to, there's are there's been some protests in Moscow against the war. So you know that people have an idea what's going on. Uh, it's it's like anything else though. How many are how many people know what's going on versus how many people are getting fed from the media, and convinced about what's going on? That may not be right. And how long does it take for them to realize the difference? Well, sometimes it could be in this case. When their, uh, you know, their sons and daughters come home from a conflict in a body bag, just like they did in Afghanistan, and, and society in general got tired of it.
0: Right. Uh, you know, I'm sorry to um, my, well, my lack of diplomacy here towards a, a world leader, but is Putin nuts? I mean, he's he's talking like a nut. He's talking like a madman. He, I mean, he, he, the the closest person out of history that he reminds me of is Hitler.
1: Yeah, that's the that's the challenge. Is uh, just because someone's nuts or maybe has the appearance of a madman doesn't necessarily make him not a not a.
0: Oh, he's I dangerous. He he's dangerous. No. <laughs> yeah,
1: um, He's been doing. He's been planning this for years. He knows what he wants to do he's willing to make the gamble. I do think he's a very intelligent person for sure. Uh, but I just think at this point he's like, you know what? I've got three more years left of probably the most compliant administration in American history, mm-hmm. potentially and specifically in modern history. Mm-hmm. And if I don't do this now, there's not another opportunity and the, the man is what 70 72 years old somewhere in there. Um after 20 years in that position that he's sitting in, in one form or another, I, if I were him, I'd come to the same conclusion.
0: Right. If If you're going to do it, now's the time to do it. Yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, why did he? Why did they want to take uh, over and capture Chernobyl, the nuclear site?
1: It's actually a, an access corridor into Kiev, so it has nothing to do with the uh, the site itself, like any any sort of cultural or or historic significance it's it's purely a decision based on terrain
3: okay yeah and to to our listeners uh correct me if i'm wrong here uh colonel um i mean kiev ba- basically is what about a hundred miles from the border of belarus 100 125 something like that and belarus is i mean for the most part is controlled by russia so it's a straight shot straight shot into the capital through tr- through that corridor through chernobyl is that correct
1: that's correct. And of course, they're both right there on the Dnieper River. Right. So that's a, what we call a high speed avenue of approach in, in many respects. And for your listeners, I'll just, when you talk about Belarus being part of Russia, it's just easier to say that Belarus is Russia. Yeah. They're, it's such a vast state that there is no difference. Yeah. Mm.
0: Uh, And we got to bring this to a close, but uh, looking back on your years of experience, uh, give us your take, your thoughts on the situation for the Ukrainian people long term. I mean, do you see uh, and and I'm asking you, look into the crystal ball and I know you're not a prophet or the son of a prophet. But what do you think the long term situation is for the Ukrainians?
1: Uh, uh, Given the situation that we have right now, it's I would call it generally pretty bleak, but not unrecoverable it depends on how far Putin goes and what his long-term real plans are in the country if he's satisfied with having a compliant government that basically he appoints and everybody else is content to let that just kind of run then you know they'll live an existence that may not be the best Mm. but if they if he goes and just straight-up occupies it's, it's going to be a pretty tough go for the Ukrainians for quite some time. We've got to bring this to a close, but I do want to find out uh, In uh,
0: give me give you 30, 60 seconds to talk about Restore Liberty, um, which you are the executive director of, the co-founder of. Folks can go to RestoreLiberty.org, Restore-Liberty.org. Uh, what is that organization about, Darren?
1: It's a uh, nationwide grassroots effort with a national team, state directors, we build coalitions of organizations rather than try to make a huge membership list. We work together to do grassroots style stuff, working with legislation, working with um, educational efforts, uh, specifically focused also on school boards and judges. Uh, we have a couple nonprofit arms and a super PAC uh, to be, we want to really be a counter to the unions as well. And we have an endorsement arm for candidates to where we say that the lesser of two evils is still evil. So if if you're if you're evil in any way, shape, or form, you're not worthy of leadership, and and we're not gonna we're not gonna endorse you because we think people should have a very clear difference between public servants and certain uh, like the right kind of mindset to be servant leaders mm-hmm. and those who are not.
0: Well, you're singing off of a, you're singing off the same uh, the same hymnal that we sing off of. That's uh, that's great and uh, North Carolina has, uh, right now, we're in the midst of a uh, rather controversial North Carolina Supreme Court uh, decision concerning uh, congressional and state legislature maps. So uh, thanks for thanks for your work to that regard. Thanks for uh, joining us this afternoon. Very informative, and uh, I feel like I've got a little bit of better grasp myself on uh, what's going on over there after talking to you.
1: Well, thank, thank you for having me on, and that's the only goal. There's a lot to learn, and you ever stop learning then you stop living so um, i'm happy to come back anytime but i certainly appreciate you giving me giving me the time you could today well
0: we'll keep you on speed dial thank you darren thanks a lot appreciate yeah, it yeah. we are over our uh, time limit but uh, we'll take a quick time out and come back and lots more to talk about
4: collection of question marks a lot of questions
2: why how
4: no logic no reason no explanation just a prolonged
0: nightmare
2: worst nightmare of their lives
0: this long nationwide nightmare we'll
2: start collecting clues as to the whys the what's and the where's neighborhood by neighborhood literally knocking on doors this is your worst nightmare the nightmare it would be a nightmare worst
0: nightmare we will not end the nightmare we'll only explain it explain to us because this yes this
1: is news and views with tom and benny on talk 96.3 and 103.7
0: Welcome back in, taking a quick look at your weather forecast. Tomorrow is gorgeous, partly sunny with a high of 81. Saturday, it cools off. By the way, it's going to cool off tomorrow night, too. It's going to probably get down into the uh, low 40s, maybe the upper 30s tomorrow night. Saturday, cloudy with a high of 55. And Sunday, the rain comes in a high of 52, 70% chance of rain on Sunday. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Warmer weather is right around the corner, like tomorrow. What better way to enjoy the outdoors with family and friends than being greenside or poolside? Voted best golf course in Greenville three years in a row, Ironwood Golf and Country Club is waiving all initiation fees and wants you to join in the fun and become a member today. Not a golfer? Ironwood's new social membership includes access to their competition-sized swimming pool, clay surface tennis courts, and member-only full-service restaurant. For more information, contact Membership Director Jenna Doyle her number is 252-752-4653. 752-4653. We are going to play political trivia in just a bit. The category John Adams. I think last week it was John Quincy Adams. This mm-hmm. week is John Adams. His father. And uh, it's, it's dad. And uh, good prize package. I, I wanted to let you know, though, when we open up the phones, it's going to be a quickie. I, I test drove this the uh, question and... It was answered in about a tenth of a second. (laughs) So you might want to be first in line today. Talking about what's going on over in Ukraine and Russia, far members of the squad, far left members of the squad, they're all far left, um, they warned against inhumane and broad-based sanctions on Russia that amount to collective punishments against Russian citizens. Several progressive lawmakers released statements Supporting Biden further sanctioning the Kremlin after a invasion of Ukraine, but cautioned against sanctions that would affect the people of Russia, Ilhan Omar warned in a statement against the broad-based actions that amount to collective punishment against Russian people. You don't seem to be upset about the broad punishment against American people when you were all about the riots. You didn't seem, that didn't seem to bother you. And listen, I I understand. I mean, it, it, r- rarely do I agree with Ilhan Omar. It would be nice, Ilhan, if we could do that. <laughs> but
3: uh, welcome to the real world, Ilhan. I hope she gets. She's got a. Um, she's got a challenger, Republican challenger, this year. Uh that that is actually a uh, was a refugee herself from Somalia. Really, and that um, I saw an interview recently, and just a heck of a story. Um, you know, believe in America, American freedom and and everything. You think so, Ilhan would? You, you think she would? But uh, I, you know, I think she's a plant. To be honest with you, I, <laughs> she's got the brain of a plant. Yeah. Um, this next story: uh,
0: If you're driving, try not to lose control of your car in your laughter. John Kerry. The climate czar, Joe Biden's climate czar. Oh, gosh. He did an interview that's going to air on the BBC UK. It's the Middle East Media Research Institute. And uh, so they're talking with him about what's happening in Ukraine with Russia's invasion of Ukraine and how it uh, relates to climate change. Uh, John Kerry is dumb like a rock.
4: I'm very concerned about. I'm concerned about Ukraine because of the people of Ukraine and because of the principles that are at risk uh, in terms of international law and trying to change boundaries of international law by force. Uh, I thought we lived in a world that had said no to that kind of activity, and I hope diplomacy will win. But massive uh, emissions consequences to the war. But equally importantly, you're going to lose people's focus. You're going to lose certainly big country attention, because they will be diverted. And, and uh, I think it could have a damaging impact. So, you know, I think hopefully President Putin would realize that in the northern part of his country, they used to live on 66% of a nation that was over frozen land. Now it's thawing. And his infrastructure is at risk, and the people of Russia are at risk. And so I hope President Putin will help us to stay on track with respect to what we need to do for the climate.
0: I think the people in Siberia, if they got a couple of degrees warmer, I think they'd be fine with that. I'm just going out on a limb there. But (laughs) Kerry is an idiot. So Putin, a thug that is willing to follow in the murderous footsteps of Stalin, wiping out anyone who gets in his way, now he's going to think twice (laughs) because Siberia might thaw out.
3: Yeah, I, I, you know, I honestly don't <laughs> think I, I, I don't think uh, Kerry is is that dumb. I mean, he he's boy, he's putting uh, on a good act. <laughs> I, I mean, he's smart enough to know what's going on. I mean, China and Russia could give a shite about global warming. I mean, the proof is they've you know they just cut a deal with China, working with them on their new I think five coal fired plant in China, so again, go over and visit these countries and you'll know immediately they don't
0: give a hoot about global no, it, warming.
3: It's all about deals that's been cut with, with Kerry and his related uh family members. You know, his daughters are married to uh well, people in the in the Mid East that it's just it's just a Well listen. I, it, I I'm telling you, it's the, the corruption with John Kerry, the Clintons and others the, Biden. uh, the Bidens I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, John Kerry is not that stupid. No. He knows that, that Russia – I mean, that is the furthest thing from their freaking mind is climate change. Well, listen, go out and interview the American people. Do you think the American people are worried about
0: climate change right now?
3: <laughs> no, I think uh, I think the fact that, you know, they're – what inflation's up seven almost seven and a half percent now and uh, well nine percent and, and, that, and, that, and that number, yeah that number is not accurate i mean it's actually more than that because when you take out some effects of oil i mean petroleum product petroleum is in every product practically yep. so yep. it's it's much greater than that listen
0: let's uh let's have a little fun let's lighten things up been a tough week let's play a little political trivia your category john adams Give us a call, 561 8255. 561 8255. Good price package. It's got to go quick. So get on the phone. We'll be right back. Welcome back in. Time for a little bit of fun, a little relaxation, a little change of pace. Political trivia. Give us a call, 561-8255. We do have a line open. Uh, your category is John Adams. Your prize package includes a free oil change for your car pickup at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. A $100 gift certificate for tax services at any of the area Kidwell H&R Block offices. A gift certificate to Ironwood Golf. A $20 gift card to Gwendy's Goodies Bakery in Aden. Delicious baked fresh made from scratch goodies. A $20 gift card to Mucho Bueno for lunch or dinner. Mucho Bueno, real Mexican street food located in front of the Westbrook Shopping Center, U.S. 70 West in Havelock. And a gift certificate from Fit for Life, including two free training sessions with a fitness coach. Right now, 561-8255, uh, we've got Ron from Chakowinity. Hey, Ron. Hey, Ron. Hey, how are you all this afternoon? Doing well. You ready to play? I am. I love the prize pack. I could use it all. There you Wendy's go. Wendy's goodies first and the two workouts behind <laughs> <it>. <laughs> That's right. We put it on, then we take it off. That's right. Here you go. All right. Here's a question. Your category is John Adams. John Adams, the second president of the United States, was also the first president who was also known as one of these. His son, John Quincy Adams, was also known as one of these, as was Lincoln, Tyler, and Pope. What was this additional distinction? Uh, they were known as vice presidents. And that's not it. Good guess. Uh, okay. Not it. 561-8255. Uh, right. five, five. Lines are open. Give us a call. John Adams, the second president of the United States, was also the first president who was known as one of these. His son, John Quincy Adams, was also one of these, as was Lincoln, Tyler, and Polk. What was this additional distinction? Give us a call five six one eight two five five. Who we got there, Clark? Jay from Jacksonville. Hey, Jay. Hello, Jay. Hey, how you doing today? Good. You hear the question? Yeah. Okay. What was this additional distinction of John Adams?
4: Were they Whigs?
0: They were not. That was not it. That was not it. 561-8255. Okay. Five, five. Thanks, Jay. Give us a call back. 561-8255. Five, five. Now, this, when I test drove this, I, I promise you, it, the guy answered it. I bingo. did not
3: answer it quickly because I overthought it. So do yeah, not yeah, overthink don't, don't it. Don't
0: overthink it. Next caller, you're going to get a hint because we went long with our interview. <laughs> We're running out of time. 561-8255. Five, five. John Adams. The second president was also the first president who is known as one of these, and it made him quite famous. That's true. Early in his political career, and a lot of people got mad at him for being one of these. Mm-hmm. As we, Vanspur, Justin.
2: No, hey, Justin. Mason is
0: it? Dustin. Hey, Dustin. Hey, Dustin. Yes, yeah. Yeah, not, not a Mason was it? It's not a Mason. That was That's my, not it. That was
3: my first answer.
0: It's not it. 561 Thanks, Justin. Donna?
1: Hello. Hey, hey Donna. Is
0: this Is Donna? Hey, Donna. What do you think? Are you ready, you for ready for a hint? You ready for a hint? Or you think you uh, got it?
1: Maybe. I don't know. I have All an right.
0: answer. All right. James Buchanan, Rutherford B, Rutherford B. Hayes, and FDR were also one of these. Ulysses S. Grant and Dwight D. Eisenhower were not. What was it? Oh, well, that
1: was my
0: answer. What was your answer?
3: Sons of Liberty.
0: Sons of Liberty. That's not it. Five six one, eight, two, five, five. You're overthinking this. As Benny said, you're really overthinking it. Let's go to Jack. Hey, Jack. Hey, Jack. Did you hey, hear the question? Was it
3: uh, Rough Riders?
0: It was not Rough Riders. That was not it. <laughs> five six one eight two five five. Oh, uh, you're overthinking it. You're gonna kick yourself when you find out Mike's on the line. Hey, Mike, you ready for another hint?
1: Uh
0: yeah, go for it. Many people would say we don't need any more of these at any level of politics.
1: I'm gonna say, how about a lawyer? You got, you got it. it. You got it. Yes. There
0: you go, Mike. Where you calling from, Mike? Uh, Newburgh, North Carolina. All right, hang on, Mike. Uh, you are our winner. Interestingly, out of our all of our presidents, twenty six of our U.S. presidents were lawyers, hmm. and uh, yeah.
3: And how many Congress people? Uh,
0: wow, <laughs> it, it scares me to think. Mike, hang on the line, and Clark's going to get all your info. Benny and I'll be right back. news and views
2: he's kind of a diva he's absolutely fascinating ultimate gentleman spy irresistible to women deadly to his enemies a legend in his own time you
1: won't believe what he's going to say next on talk 963 and one three seven. here's tom Lemprecht.
0: congratulations to mike ellis of newburn north carolina he got our political trivia question correct john adams was the first president who was also a lawyer the uh, governor has vetoed the Free the Smiles Act, a bipartisan measure that would have blocked mandatory mask policies. This just out from the Carolina Journal, uh, m- blocked mandatory mask policies in North Carolina schools. It's Cooper's second veto of the year, this record-breaking 71st veto since he took office in 2017. I have encouraged local boards to lift mask mandates, and they're doing so across the state with the advice of health officials who see that COVID metrics are declining and vaccinations are increasing, Cooper said. What's interesting about this is both chambers, the House and the Senate, approved the Free the Smiles legislation with at least a three-fifths majority. That's the threshold that is needed to reach a vote to override a gubernatorial veto. But they do have to vote on it again. So the question is... Will the Democrats in the House and the Senate cower, or will they go against the governor
3: and vote for this act that they voted for the first time? Well, I, I definitely think Republicans will will put it up for a over, veto override. I, you know, I, I would be surprised if the the Democrats um, don't override his veto because it you know there's this is kind of this kind of transcends politics now to the point where parents are fed up with this being told what to do with their children i mean the science is like overwhelmingly clear right. that this mass mandate was a bad idea i mean heck the uh, uh if and i know I'm going to mess up the title but last year i mean the academy um of pediatricians basically said you know it was a bad idea and that kids needed to go back to school and uh it's just Cooper. It's just Cooper playing politics with his, you know, the the DNC, and uh, you know he vetoed this knowing it had a a veto-proof majority. Why did he do that? I mean, why did he do that? He's just he's just. He's I an guess authoritarian. He's, he's authoritarian, and he's got a he's got a, got a future in politics. He thinks on the national level, which is laughable. Yeah. Well look at who else is in the democratic party
0: speaking of laughable uh who who's not laughable in the democrat party i mean he fits right in quite frankly
3: joe manchin's the only one i'd say and uh, christian
0: christian (laughs) cinema we'll give her a nod but uh yeah big time by the way i guess you saw that um uh trudeau has backed off his emergencies uh mandate and uh You know, now I'm I'm sure he's going to say it's because we got rid of the truckers. We don't need it anymore. I would really, really be interested in seeing some polling on that Mm. as to how many Canadians were furious with Trudeau's action. I think it was quite a number. And uh, I I think perhaps one of the reasons he quickly backed off of it was uh, he, he, again, another Democrat thinking they're leading the parade and they
3: turn around and nobody's behind them. I wish Trudeau would just maybe fly into um Calgary and get in a car and drive south and and east of Calgary and <laughs> see how see what kind of uh response he gets from the people of Alberta because uh you know you, you know Canada is a lot like the United States between metro areas and non-metro areas. I, I don't think uh he, he would be you know have a very favorable opinion of them. When he gets outside of the large metro areas, particularly you know west of uh, in western part of Canada, they can go.
0: Hey, listen, tomorrow we're going to have Keith Kidwell on. He is uh, going to well, he's in Orlando right now, and uh, he received an award for his conservative stance as a North Carolina. Uh, State House member, and uh, we'll be talking to him tomorrow about what's going on at CPAC and also talk about this award that he received. Listen, our thanks again to Lieutenant Colonel Darren Gobb. And if you want more information, smart guy, especially when it comes to Ukraine. And again, he's uh, trained over there, he knows the area, he knows the terrain. But if you want more information on his organization, go to www.restore.com hyphen liberty.org that's restore hyphen see you tomorrow bye-bye everybody all right all
1: right all right